0: There's something I want to share, which just in light of what Christa's picture, I just feel like um, it lines up with what God's wanting to say to every single one of us this morning. So I just want to share a little bit, and then then we can go into that. So I wonder if we can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, um, I think it's around about verse 13. But I've been... I've been stuck in Colossians, so you can put your finger at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, or you can stay there. I just want to read something out of Colossians, but I've just, I've been stuck in Colossians, just uh, the word that Christa had for us, which also came out of Colossians, and um, there's just so much in Colossians that I feel like it's a now word for what God's trying to to do, even with us as a church. And um, in Colossians chapter 2, um, I just want to read a little bit and just go from here. It says, but I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me f- face to face. Listen to this beautiful language. That the hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. There's a heart cry here of an amazing apostle whose loves the people and his cry is my, I just, I'm crying out for you guys uh, that I haven't seen face to face. I haven't been able to come to you, but you can hear my heart's cries that you would be knit together in love. I feel like this is also the cry of Jesus. As he's looking down, he says, it's not time for me to come yet, but I want to come. I want to come and want you guys to all see me face to face. But the cry of my heart is that you would all be knit together in love and to reach the fullness of assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. He wants us to get a revelation, understanding of Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Just two aspects that I want to draw out and then just share a little bit with you. Number one, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. There's a cry of his heart here and the reality that I want you to know Christ. I want you to know the fullness of Christ. I want you to be knit together. I want you to be a family. I don't want you to be drawn or deluded. And that means something else takes the place of truth or something else tries to uh, um, get your attention or for you to believe in. It says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions and according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So there's a cry of God's heart that just as you receive Christ, I need you to walk in him, and just as you're walking in him, my heart's cries that you would not get taken away by um, these human traditions and elemental spirits of the world and and, and and the things that are not truth, the lies. And I feel like right now as a church, the cry of God's heart over us is to be careful because we've been bombarded. As the people of God living in, in, a, in the city um, with lies that want to bombard and take control of our lives and of our thinking, um, when we need to continue to walk as we receive Christ to continue to walk. How did we receive Christ we received Christ by faith through grace, or by grace we were saved through faith. Let me say it the right way. Um, in God. So there was, a, there was a response to truth. As there was a response to truth in faith, then grace came so they can make that truth our reality. Just as that operated, so we need to continue to walk like that so that we don't get tricked or lies trying to creep in. Amen. In the world that we live in, that's very important. So if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let me just read that so you... 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just read from verse 13. No. It's slowly coming to me revelation. (laughs) Since we have the same spirit, stop laughing. Since we have the same spirit, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. According to what is written, I believed and so I speak and so we also speak. Believe and so we speak. Friends, how do you and I operate? What are the two elements of faith? The two elements of faith are believing and speaking. They're absolutely key for our lives and the life that we are called to and how God wants us to operate and walk in it. Just the way we were saved. Romans chapter 10, 10. With the heart, man believes, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Amen. There is a believing and there is a speaking. It is critical that we understand this because the church today is moving away from this very fundamental foundation of how it's supposed to operate. Amen. We do not see and then speak. Amen. God stood there And there was darkness, and he didn't say, Oh, my word, it's dark. Uh. Mm. What he saw, friends, was not what he spoke. There was darkness, and he said, let there be light. And truth, friends, will always prevail over lies. And when he said, let there be light, friends, when he spoke the word, let there be, then it came into being. See, there are Circumstances in your and my life that are waiting and needing the word of the Lord. See, what you speak in faith, you can have. What you have is because you have spoken. In faith, I knew I was never going to get that promotion. I knew that guy in the corner office was going to get it. I just knew it. As long as my name is Joe Soap, I'm always going to come second. See the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Friends, it's a challenge to us today. It's a challenge in our lives as to what we actually believe. Because it's with the heart man believes, and the mouth then confesses what we actually believe. The two actually work together. One of my most fav- favorite scriptures in the Bible is Mark chapter 11. If I asked my mother, she would probably be able to quote it. Mark chapter 11 is a beautiful scripture. And in uh, Mark chapter 11, to give you a quick uh, synopsis of what actually happened, there is Jesus was walking along, and uh, he was feeling a bit hungry, and uh, he saw, from a distance, he saw a fig tree. And the fig tree was full of leaves, and it was displaying that it had fruit. So off he went to the fig tree to go get some fruit. And when he went there, he found out that the fig tree didn't have any fruit. So he cursed the fig tree. It's a very interesting thing that the fig tree did not produce fruit out of season. So Jesus cursed it. Don't you think that's a bit harsh? It wasn't time to bear fruit. Was it about bearing fruit? Or was it about putting a whole bunch of leaves on and pretending that it was in fruitful season? Maybe Jesus isn't so upset that it didn't bear fruit. Maybe he's upset that it showed and pretended it was bearing fruit. That was for free. And you can smile. Jesus loves you. It's just an interesting one. You can go and read it over and over again and just let them meditate on your heart. It was not the season for the fig tree to bear forth fruit. But when he went there, it wasn't bearing any fruit, which is what it it does. And then he cursed it. I think it's not so much about where you and I are at. It's more about whether we're pretending where we're at. Have you ever asked yourself some simple questions in the Bible? Have you ever understood 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26, 27, 28? He takes the foolish things to confound the wise. He takes the weak to put to shame those that are strong. He takes the despised because no one can stand in his presence and boast. Have you ever thought, would you journey through the Bible, the the greatest Old Testament prophet and one of the most great leaders of the Old Testament that would lead the people of God that was in in captivity out of captivity, the exodus into the promised land? Have you ever thought about the person god chose i think i'll have an an adopted child with all his own challenges through adoption i'll take a guy who's not very educated doesn't know how to speak sounds like a great old testament prophet The guy who can lead my people doesn't even know how to speak. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the greatest king in Israel? I think what I'll do, greatest king in Israel, what do I need for the greatest king in Israel? Um, Maybe just a guy sweeps the factory floor, shepherd. Lowest rung. Maybe, you know, a guy who's going to be the greatest leader. Maybe I'll choose a poet and a musician. No offense to the poets and the musicians. Maybe I'll, I'll choose a guy that's a fugitive and is running away. Someone who's trying to kill him for years. Ever thought about that? Have you thought about Jesus? Carpenter? From an obscure little backwater town that everyone thought was just nothing good comes from there. Also uneducated. Trying to give you an understanding of the great people in the Bible. It never came because they were big shots. It came because of their weaknesses and because they had one strength. That's faith in God. I'm challenging you all this morning to say, stop looking at your weaknesses Because he's not going to choose you because of your strengths. You see, he puts this incredible treasure in jays, jays, jars of clay. In jays of, cloy, mm-hmm. No. In jars of clay. And there isn't a person here today that can't put up their hand and go, that fits me. That's me. That's me. I'm. I have lots of weaknesses because it's about him, not about us, church. So in that frailty, I can put up my hand, but there was one strength that they did have, and that was faith. They believe God. And when you have faith, friends, and you believe God, you speak. Jesus didn't walk up to the fig tree and look at it. He go, you know what? I was really hungry today, and you didn't have any fruit. Mmm. had to speak to the fig tree. Continuing in Mark. You thought I'd forgotten. I'm still in Mark. Okay. Mark 11. So verse, is that verse 20? I think. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, One, two, three. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, amen, he's given them an illustration here, and he said, listen, any any mountain, you go up to that mountain, and you just declare, and you speak to that mountain, and you don't doubt in your heart, and you say, mountain be removed, it will be removed, this wasn't a license, or a, a, a teaching now, and a gifting of how to be a zapper, amen, in the natural world with Zappa, you, get, you use Zappa to buy whatever you need. But in God's kingdom, you use Zappa for his kingdom, but he said, "I'm talking to you bit here about prayer. When you're praying before the Lord, you have to speak, you have to declare. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Here's part two. One, we believe and so we speak and we declare. Part two, as we believe and so we speak. Part two. Forgiveness. Why does he put it in here? Because forgiveness, friends, will affect your heart and your mind and what you declare. There are two things we should be dealing with all the time. One is forgiveness, and the second one is hurt or disappointment. The reason being is both of them will affect how you speak and what you say. They need to be dealt with all the time in our lives. If you're holding anything against anybody, if you've got any issues today, my heart's cry to you is forgive them. And the only way we can do that is understanding that He has forgiven us. Everything. And if through whatever they've done, not only forgive them, but that hurt and that disappointment, you've got to let it go. You've got to pull those things down, which we'll go to our next scripture, but you pull those things down because they will affect how you think, what you believe, and ultimately what you say. So what's happening with the people of God today is a lot of, a lot of the time our language is lining up with what we believe, with what we think. We're thinking, well... You know, it happens every single year. Every single year in May, I'm telling you, I should have gone and had that flu vaccination. Every single time in May, the first cold spell that hits goes straight to my chest. Come on. Talking real. We have to be aware today. While you're in 2 Corinthians, no, you're not in 2 Corinthians, you're in Mark. Just go to 2 Corinthians, back to 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, let me just read 2 Corinthians, chapter 10 quickly. Just verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. It says here that for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God take every thought captive in obedience to Christ i want to encourage you right now that as the people of God our journey is to is to operate in faith we're not called to operate according to what we can see according to our feelings but we're all to operate in faith and as we operate in faith, we um, what goes with our faith is we, we believe and so we speak. So that's how we operate. That's the way we are meant to work. We, we are made in the image of God, right? And the way our father operates is he stood there and he began to declare and speak what was in his heart. Let there be light. Let there be. Let there be. And he created through his faith his faith and speaking, right? Same as we do it. But as we begin to have faith and as we begin to speak, friends, what happens is the enemy tries to bombard our minds and he tries to sneak in and get the lies. How many know that, that's why I need my headset, Con. Um, Because now I need both my hands. Um, (laughs) How many know that if it was just truth, friends, if it was just truth, Then God couldn't, by his very nature, do what he He wants to do, and that's to reward you and I. He's a rewarder. That's who God is by his very nature. That's why he put two trees in the garden. He's not a bad God. He's not, I was, oh, let me put another tree in there just to see and what have you. He put another tree in the garden because it was a choice. That's why man was given free will. It was so that man could choose. There was one tree that you're meant to eat from and there's another tree that you're not meant to eat from. And when you choose not to eat from that tree, but to eat from that tree, he's a rewarder. So there's truth, friends, and there's not just truth, there's also lies. Two trees always in your and my life. And in our journey in Christ, how many know when you first get born again, it just seems to work so easily and so well, you can just go like, I'm feeling on my heart that, uh, that I just want to bless this person with a hundred rand. I go to Jessica and I give her a hundred rand and I walk out the door and I'm just going to the Hebrews and somebody comes along and says, listen, I'll buy you coffee. And I don't know why, but the Lord just told me here's an envelope. And yeah, here's a thousand rand or 2000 rand. And we go, "Woo! this is lacquer, kingdom of God, man. It's awesome. And then next week I go, hey, you know, I'm feeling on my heart to give hundred bucks. So I go and give hundred bucks to Grant. One day, three days, one week, two weeks. Hey, where's, where's God? What's happening? Where's this guy that's supposed to be taking care of me? It's just become another tree in my life. Do I believe? Is that going to sway me from the truth? Because he didn't give me straight away? See, it's a maturity. He's a rewarder. He's he blesses as we mature and as we grow in Him, friends. Which is why there is such a wave hitting the church over the whole world at the moment, and we are the, a lot of Christians are finding themselves well short. They're still babies. They're still needing milk. Some, of the best option is let me go back under the Lord, safer. Somebody that can sit there and guide me whatever, and whatever. I can sit there, take my hand so I can cross the road, look right, look left. Okay, you can cross now. I'm coming with you. When I'm supposed to be mature enough to have a look, in fact, sometimes stand in the road and say, stop in the name of Jesus. So what God's wanting to encourage us and say is that's why there's two trees. That's why there's free will, friends. As these thoughts come, we have to take them captive. You never get to a place where there's no thoughts, and there's strongholds, friends. What a stronghold is, if you think about a stronghold, it's like, in, the, in those days, it's this massive cities. And they used to build these huge walls, and they used to stand on the wall, hee-hee, and you couldn't really get in because they were safe in the walls, and what they used to do, it used to be a place where the armies used to camp and be at rest, and then the armies used to launch from there and go out. Have you ever any of you watch movies? Have you seen all the movies? Movies, they, they hide behind the walls, they sit there, whatever, and then and then the cover of darkness, they all head out to go and attack and then run back to their little fort. It's a stronghold. That's how the enemy works in your and my life, between our ears. If you believe a lie, friends, you give him a stronghold that he can sit there and he can hide and then he can launch from that and attack the truth every time the truth wants to come. So the Bible says we've got to pull down those strongholds. We've got to break those strongholds. We've got those lofty thoughts that are raising themselves above the knowledge of God. We have to take them captive. We've got to say, right. It's the, it's the, it's the disciples story again. The disciples as Jesus is busy uh, feeding the 5,000, he's feeding the 4,000, he's doing miracles and then they're gonna climb on the boat now, they off, they're gonna go to the other side and they're all talking to each other and going, oops, they've only got one little loaf of bread. And Jesus comes to them and says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they start looking at each other going, how did he know we've only got one loaf of bread? What are we gonna do now? How, I mean, how are we gonna eat? How are we gonna feed? And whatever, and Jesus understanding what they were talking about. It's root words the same root word from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Reasoning in their minds. And he's going, Really? I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. I'm talking about the understanding. I'm talking about the thinking uh, to do with the religious mind. I'm talking about the thinking of the political system and the political situation of Herod. I'm talking about what you're allowing to process in your head. The children of Israel knew the acts of God. Moses knew the ways of of God, when God breaks into your in my life and does something, it's not an event, friends. It's not some little miracle. It's not some little wonderful event. What He's doing is He's trying to display His nature. He's not wanting us just to know His acts, friends. He wants us to know His ways. He wants us to encounter Him and allow that that uh, uh, moment, friends, to to uh, uh, take. Uh, control to, to, ta- to get understanding in our hearts and minds about who he is. So that we begin to operate in who he is, not just in in events. The disciples are sitting there going, oh, but we don't have food. And he's going, come on, guys. I mean, you saw 5,000 people and how I fed them. You saw 4,000 people and how I fed them. What are you talking about? Am I still, are we still on this page of some event of wanting some food when I'm talking about a mind and understanding that you have the mind of Christ. You have the thoughts, the intellect, the wisdom, the knowledge of God sitting inside of you. That when those things come and when things come our way, friends, they're not there, friends, because to try and rob us of getting that promotion. They're not there to try and rob us of getting that house. They're not there to try and rob us of, of having a nice Kentucky meal tonight. They're there to rob you, friends, of your appointment in God. That's why they're called disappointments. They are dissing the appointment and the mandate that God has called you to. He wants you to live For Him, He wants you to live a life that displays who He is by His nature and His character. He comes and He breaks into our lives and He displays it. And we have to take it not just as a moment, not just as an event, not just as a rescue, but as an opportunity for me to grow in understanding of His very nature and character. Once I understand His nature and character, friends, then I understand who He is and it becomes... A part of who I am, friends, that when the enemy tries to attack with the lies, the truth is so strong, friends, there's like, my mind has got a, got a, a, a strength around it, friends, that that thing is, will not be tolerated. See, I pull down every vain imagination, lofty thought that raises itself above God. I pull those things down, friends. They will not let them rest or operate or allow to take roost. They will not be a stronghold in my mind. Because that which I believe, friends, that's what I'm going to live and act. And what I have to do is I have to speak. I have to declare that which is in my heart. There's an amazing story in, in Matthew 16 where Peter, Jesus talking to all of them and he's, they're having a chat and he says, so who do you guys say that I am? And everyone's having their little chat. And Peter goes, I believe you're the son of God. You're the Christ. And he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has given you this incredible revelation. Peter's like, "Woo, baby. Then he starts to chat and tell them about how he's going to have to die. And, and, and Peter goes, psh, 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 come on. Come on, son. Let's have a chat. He was on a roll. Uh, you must, you know, don't, don't talk like that. And Jesus goes, get you behind me. Satan, because you're not thinking correctly in your noggin. That's my paraphrase. The what he was thinking, friends, he said, your mind is on man, not on the things of God. Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 6. It says, A mind set on the flesh is death. Because it's hostile. Towards God. When we have these thoughts, the truth and the, and, and the lie, friends, that's of the flesh, friends, it's hostile towards God. It doesn't want us to have life. So I have to pull those things down. One moment, Peter was receiving revelation, woo, straight from God the Father. The next minute, he's just like Satan Getting in the way, friends. It's an encouragement, not a negative, it's an encouragement to every single one of us that as we journey, friends, this is a journey every single day of making sure that I'm pulling down any single stronghold, any single thought that's trying to raise itself above the knowledge of God. Because God is for us, not against us. Amen. And we are spiritual beings, and if we are to operate in the spiritual realm, if we are to do what God's called us to do, if we, if we are to fulfill our appointment then I can't allow disappointments to diss my appointment so that I go off course and live a lie. Amen. So the reality here this morning is I've got to address those things and I've got to make sure that they will not take root in my mind, in my thinking. Amen. Amen. So, we've got to ask ourselves the question when we gather together, when we're talking with one another, when we're chatting, what are we saying? Now, I know there's nothing here that's new. If you've been born again for a long time, you probably either heard me preach this or you've heard other people preach it. I'm trying to reiterate, friends, that this is a now word from the Lord. I've gone stuck in Colossians, just as you received him, so walk ye in him. And it says, be careful. Oh, you, I want you to understand, get the full revelation of who Christ is, because I want you to live in Christ. He is everything. He is our all. He can't keep saying that enough, that he is our focus, and we just celebrate him, and, we, and, and it's all about him, friends, but the enemy is trying to come in. And when he's trying to come in, he's trying to come in with his lies. Human traditions, good thinking, it sounds great, You know, every single time we go on a mission trip, right before we go on a mission trip, my family gets attacked. Garbage. But if you believe it, because we believe and so we speak. I'm saying with people of God need to arise. People of God need to say, we were called to be a people that believe and speak. That is who we are, friends. That's our mandate as the children of God. We believe and we speak. But what you believe is very important because that's what is coming out your mouth and that's what you're living in. And I've kept the offering till last because I I, I, want to say this carefully. Unfortunately, in the church over the years, confession has swung a little bit out of kilter. And so suddenly it was about naming it and claiming it. It was about saying a whole bunch of stuff in order for us to actually bless ourselves and, and to, you know, f- further and benefit us. But that doesn't take away from the truth of the gospel of confession, and then we have to realize that declaring and speaking out of our mouths is a truth and it is the gospel. And it is what we're called to do. So when we take up the offering now, whatever you're gonna, it's not about what you're going to give. It's about your confession when you give. See, you don't try something. You either believe it or you don't. and I really believe with all my heart, and you can find many, many scriptures in the Bible that will back this, and if you want them, then I can give them to you, that on the cross, Jesus broke poverty over every single believer. And he declared and he spoke prosperity over every single believer. Why? Because we are the seed of Abraham. As the seed of Abraham, just look at Abraham's life. God wants to breathe life and blessing over our lives. Friends, we have to believe that we have to confess it. And the reality is there's two trees. There's always two trees. There's always two trees. There's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is not a stirring up for you to tithe. What I'm trying to say is that there is truth and there is a lie. You have to find the truth. Then you have to believe the truth and you have to declare the truth and you will live in that truth. You don't try it. There's a truth about healing this morning. What Jesus did on the cross is he paid the price for your healing. Oh, that pain is coming back. Yeah, I know. I know. God is not Yeah, I, I knew He doesn't. Really, he doesn't want to heal me. Uh, yeah, he heals some. He heals the good guys. Yeah, absolutely, because that's what you believe. But you put your faith in the Word, what the Word says. He's not a respecter of persons, and that by His stripes. We were healed. The stripes paid a price for healing. Friends, when I put my faith in that and begin to declare it and speak it, then I'll live in that. Now, I know this is page one, but why have we forgotten it? And then why aren't we living like that? And then why is there a whole lot of garbage coming out of our mouths? which is not truth, it's lies. The commander-in-chief came into the meeting this morning. Priest, king, at your word, step out the boat. Let's trust him. Let's believe. Let's line up our words with our faith in him. Let's pull down all those vain imaginations and lofty thoughts. All those things that are trying to be strongholds and take root here. Tell us a whole bunch of lies. If it's not in the Bible, it's a lie. And let's begin to confess and declare who he is. Let's allow his nature to rule our lives, not just little acts. It's time for the church not just to know God in terms of his little acts. Wow, it was so awesome. Did you see where he healed me? It was so powerful. In the next week, oh, well, it's taking a few days. It's still a bit of, still a bit of pain. I I, I, I'm ending with this, but just to say it. I mean, Gavin and I, we always have like a little chats um, over the last little while. For whatever reason, I have no idea why, but I had been under attack with, with um, symptoms of gut. And Gavin has been under attack with symptoms of gut. It's never once in my all this time, or Gavin, ever been at a place where you can I don't know if I believe that God heals anymore. I've no idea why those things don't want to come and niggle us. But man, it just strengthens our encouragement and our faith and our declaration. In fact, and when I come to church sometimes on Sundays, I stomp on that foot like you can't believe. And sometimes it starts with shooting pains coming up my leg, and the next minute the pain's gone. Because you're not going to speak louder, because you're not truth. Amen. And that's what he's trying to say, and that's what Jane was saying. It's not about shouting, but it's something of a roar that stands up. says, you're not going to speak louder. Be quiet in Jesus' name. This is what I believe. I believe. Boom. Amen. Shall we stand? <laughs> so I want to. I don't know where you're at financially. Just as we do, take up the offering, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm. It, I was never a big fan of it, but I'm, I'm swinging that way a little bit in this next season. Um, to do some confessions, some declarations of faith. Um, every week from the pulpit. Just to to activate our faith. So I'm just going to pray over the offering this morning. I want you to just activate your faith. We're going to declare declare a confession. And then I want to pray over all of us and just trust the Lord that he would lead us. In the days ahead, as we make decisions, as we're stepping out of the boat, friends, The confidence that we've got to have is in the word of the Lord. Amen? If it's you, bid me come. I've got to hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus spoke, Peter had a confidence, okay, I'm heading out, because he spoke. My confidence was in, and that's what Peter did when when Jesus said to him, cast your net on the other side. He said... I've done all this stuff and whatever you say in the natural, my feelings, my thinking, my brain, my intellect is all telling me, hey, I'm the fisherman. Who are you? You're just a carpenter. But nevertheless, at your word. In the natural, a whole bunch of stuff is speaking. But nevertheless, at the word of the Lord. Amen? So, Father, I just want to thank you right now. As we've taken up the offering, we want to declare over that offering Lord and we want to declare over our lives we want to say thank you Father that because Jesus is the seed of Abraham and we find ourselves in Christ we are the seed of Abraham and the promises of Abraham come on us So we declare and we speak today and we say thank you for the promises of Abraham over our lives. We thank you today, Lord God, for prosperity, for blessing, for every single person here. Thank you, Lord God, that we are not a people of lack, but that we are a people of overflow and a people of abundance. Because we have you in our lives and you are a God of abundance and a God of overflow, a God of more than enough. I thank you that our God supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So thank you, Father, for our needs taken care of. Thank you, Father, you've also divinely enabled us to not just have our needs met, but to be a people of overflow. Our vats are not just full, but they're overflowing. Our barns are not just full, but they are overflowing in Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus, that on the cross you became poor so that we might become rich. Not rich necessarily just in monetary things, but rich in every single area of our lives. Full of the abundance, the goodness, and the life of God. That our lives are portraying and demonstrating the very nature and character of God. That God has never had a moment of lack, and never had a moment of fear, never had a moment of worry. Never had a moment of doubt, but lives in that place of certainty, and our lives have are established on the rock of certainty. And you have become a guarantee in our lives. And you've given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. So today, Father, as I declare and as I speak over the offering, as every single one of us speaks over. The offering and over that which they have released. We just thank you, Father, for abundance. We thank you for overflow. We thank you, Father, for pressed down, shaken together. That means as full, as full, as full as it can get, running over, Father, will it pour back into our lives the goodness of God financially in Jesus' name. I pray right now, Father, every single person here that has a need, that has a challenge in their life, I thank you right now, Lord God, for a change financially in the name of Jesus. I thank you for change financially. We declare and we speak into the heavenlies. A shift financially of every single person here, Lord God, into a place of abundance and into a place of blessing in Jesus' name. I thank you for a confidence financially in our lives, Lord God. I thank you, Father, we don't have to fight over the scraps. But I thank you, Father, that your provision would be so bountiful, Lord God, that we'd be able to give freely in Jesus' name. And as we speak and declare over our finances, Lord, we speak and declare over our lives, over our health, no more health issues in Jesus' name. Because by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. We are healed. So thank you for health and wholeness. Right now, Lord God, thank you for the life of God just permeating every single cell in our bodies in Jesus' name. Even as Celeste is at home in bed right now, Lord God, we declare healing to her body in the name of Jesus. We speak to her, we say, rise up, and be healed in Jesus' name. We speak to every bit of pain, discomfort in any one of our lives and we command you now to loose our bodies in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that we are healed in Jesus' name. We speak over our businesses, over our families, over our marriages. We speak life, we speak health, we speak blessing. We thank you, Lord God, that we're above, not beneath. That we're the head, not the tail. That we are more than just conquerors. We don't just live in the winning of the battle, but we live in the spoils, which are for the victor. So thank you today, Lord God, that the people of God are beginning to live in the spoils. In the goodness of God, goodness and mercy is following us all the days of our lives. We thank you, Lord God, that you are leading us in triumph in the name of Jesus. We thank you that as a church, there is exciting days ahead of abundance, of blessing, of victory. Lord, we speak as a church to the building fund and we speak increase to you in Jesus' name. We speak supernatural deposits coming in to the building fund in the name of Jesus. We speak to our land and we say flourish in the name of Jesus. We say thank you Lord for the building put up supernaturally, quickly Father, such favor with the municipality, with all the requirements, with architects, with everybody who's involved to get the plan passed and to be building and to finish that project in a supernatural record amounts of time in Jesus' name. We thank you that that is our inheritance and we claim it right now. And we say thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our lives demonstrating the very nature and character of God in Jesus' name. And lastly, Lord, I just come before you If we can just take the volume down a little bit, this is important. As we stand before you right now, Lord God, if there's any one of us here, or all of us here, Lord God, who have any unforgiveness, any unforgiveness against anybody, Father, that may have wronged us. And we may even be right that they did wrong us. We, I just ask right now that you would come by your grace, divinely enable us to forgive them and to let them go. We forgive them in the name of Jesus. And we let them go. They will no longer have any hold over our lives. And where we've been hurt and disappointed, Father, and maybe even lost hope, we just cut ourselves free from the disappointments and the hurts. Any resentment, any bitterness, Lord. May have even come through the unforgiveness, Lord. We just let it go. We repent of all of those things, Lord God. And we push them into the oblivion under the blood of Jesus. And we put our eyes... On Jesus, and we forget what lies behind. Whatever was done to us, we forget all of that. We look forward to a future in Christ that's filled with incredible possibilities, and goodness, and blessing, and victory, and triumph. It's full of life, and we say, "Yes, Lord, we will." Go after you and you alone in our lives. And so thank you for your blood this morning that has redeemed us. Thank you for your blood that has forgiven us. And thank you for your blood that has established us as a righteous people this morning. And as a righteous people, all the promises of God are yes. Uh, yes, Deuteronomy 28, all the promises of God are for obedience and so they are ours in Jesus' name. And one of those is wealth, riches, prosperity. One of those is health. We receive those now this morning and we say from this moment on we will walk in them. And in our inheritance and our victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And if you believe that, and you have faith for that this morning, then I would love you to add your amen. Amen. Amen, and amen, and amen.